You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and selling your home to live and to sell. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 143. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So, just a few quick updates on a few things I've been working on at the school. We're actually working on collaboration with a home stager to develop a short course on pay consultations, as well as a real estate broker on a short course on how to work with real estate agents, what to say, how to find them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if you have specific questions or things that you want us to go over in these courses, or have a suggestion on a course idea, feel free to DM me on Instagram at stage for more, or you can email us through. Our website at stagemore.com. We also just started doing free community talk this month, and I really love the idea of stagers coming together in like a panel format to discuss issues in our industry or ideas in our industry, and just kind of free flowing and sharing our experiences as well. So this month we just had it last night, actually October nineteenth, and it was on creating multiple streams in your home staging business. The replay is still live. If you want to watch it, just go to our website. Website asshmore.com and you can sign up to watch it. The other thing too is you have a specific topic that you want to discuss in the community talk. Feel free to DM me on Instagram or email us through our website. I would love to feature as many sagers as possible within our community and then also just chat about things that are important to us but not necessarily really discussed in the industry. So, for example, juggling family and working, how do I deal with, you know, hiring and all this stuff? I would love to put together panels, and so we can just have these community talks as well throughout the year. And remember, we also got monthly staging challenge as well to have an opportunity to feature your work to a wide range of audience or maybe outside your neighborhood. And you can win a hundred dollar gift certificate for our shop. It's also a really good PR opportunity as well because it's something we're working on on the back end by sending these kind of competition entries to press outlets that we thought might be interested. So if you're interested in submitting your home staging project. Just go to our website, our International Home Staging Awards website, which is different from our main site, stagingawards.com/challenge to find out more information about this month's theme, and that will be linked in the show notes as well. So pretty much everything we talk about within the show is always going to be on the show notes. And just a reminder, we got a live workshop with Nikki on sales skills and also building organic relationship with your staging clients. This is something that she specializes in, and as you can probably hear from our podcast a few episodes ago, that she really knows her stuff when it comes to sales. And I love her approach with it as well. It's much more organic. It's not really kind of that icky sales tactic that everyone dreads. The signup is now live on our site. You can just go to stagemore.com and go to shop, and then you'll be able to find the pay workshop signup. And lastly, something is really exciting that I'm planning. Obviously, this is very COVID dependent, but I've been actually planning to do in-person retreats. We tested kind of the concept of StagerCon retreat this year during our anniversary, which is at the end of February, just kind of like weekend workshops. And I always want to do in-person retreats as well. I think it's a really good opportunity to network with other stagers or like-minded, passionate people in our industry. Connect with them and also just kind of find your business BFF to help to support you in your business building journey. 
And the other thing too, it's always great to be in the different place. That's not like at home or at your office that you kind of separate it from that mental space and you can start fresh in a new place as well. And obviously get together, have some R&R too. So I'm actually planning a West Coast tour next February. So the end of February or maybe mid-February to early March, I'll be starting here from San Francisco Bay Area, going up to the wine country in Sonoma, and then Portland and Seattle and possibly Vancouver. So if you're interested, please let me know. You know, we're trying to gauge if people are interested in in in-person events and something that people will be really into as well. I also think it would be fun to be able to spend a weekend in the place that's like outside of your hometown or your home area and just kind of exchange information, enjoy good food and wine and just enjoy each other's company. So I think that would be great. And I personally am a big fan of retreats. Before COVID, I travel frequently and I go to a lot of artist retreats. I go to a lot of yoga retreats as well. It's a way for me to re-inspire myself in my practice, in my business, but also a way for me to re-energize, to get re-inspired and also meet other great people as well. And that's exactly what I did in one of the retreats I went on in Italy. That's how I met Deshae our speaker today on the podcast. So Deshay is an international retreat leader. She is a lifestyle design coach and a founder of Sweet Spot Style. Deshay is the author of Create the Style You Crave and Your Creative Workspace. And it's really exciting that one of her books just got into Target as well, which is a really major retailer here in the United States. And Deshay normally works with creative entrepreneur women to upgrade their businesses and live fully in their sweet spot. So I'm really excited to have her on today and also talk a little bit about her process of creating a book. I think that's something we don't really think about as homestager, but could be something that gives us a lot of credit and street cred, essentially, and also ways to expand our publicity as well. All right. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hi, Deshay. Welcome back to the show. And also, congratulations congratulations on your book, Your Creative Workspace. That's getting into Target right now. That's very exciting. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is fun to talk to you again. It's been a little while. I know. It's been a while. It's been, I think, a few seasons, a few years as well. So before we get started today, for those listeners who are new to the show, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get started with your business? Sure. So my business is called Sweet Spot Style, and I found it about mm, seven and a half years ago. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and doing something creative, something I love. And I'm multi-passionate. So, you know, I love home decor and I love helping people and I love travel. And so I kind of just try to figure out how to pull it together in what I would call an umbrella brand. And so the way that decor falls into place in that is that right away, when I first started this business, a book deal sort of fell into my lap. And I was actually trying to figure out what the topic of it was. And I was looking at all these different topics that I just mentioned to you. And the publisher was like, you need to pick a topic because like what you're describing doesn't fit on any shelf, you know? (laughs) 
It's like, it's fashion, it's personal development, it's time to pour, it's beauty, it's magnetizing things to attract who you are. And like, I understand that, but they're like, does it go on the fashion shelf or the home decor shelf? So that was really good because it forced me to narrow down the topic, at least for the book. And so both of my books, I have two, they're both related to home decor, but, and that's how I kind of get my creativity out myself is just, you know, something that interests me. But then through that process, I learned about marketing and I learned that I really love marketing and sales. And so I got on Instagram and I started showing pictures and just blogging and writing newsletters. And so then people would say, gosh, I see you everywhere. Like, what are you doing? Can you help me with my marketing? Or I see you just invented a business from scratch out of like, an idea, like, could you help me do that? So I started coaching. And so now my primary stream of income is through coaching. I do one-to-one coaching over six months, really intense, very, very, very personal, walking people through this process of either that most of them at this point, you know how your business evolves in the beginning, it was helping people find clarity in what their business idea was, because that's kind of where I was. And then as I've grown, now I'm helping more people who already have a business, but they want to grow that business. Maybe they have a brick and mortar and they're like, goodness, like, how do I get online? Or maybe they already have an online business, but they want to grow that. They want to grow their social media, their their outreach or their, their PR, whatever may be the case. Then I help them do that. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's really one thing I really admire about you as well. It's like, you're really a master marketer. You are really everywhere. So what marketing strategies has worked really well for you? Well, you know, I just wish there was one thing I could be like, just do this one thing and it'll work. I think that me being a multi-passionate person helps in that area because to me, there's not one business tool that helps you with marketing. There's like a bunch of them. So if I had to narrow down like what's really helped me stay in business and stay afloat and be successful in business is actually email list building, Instagram, and PR. Those are the three things to help gain visibility anyway. That's pretty interesting because I think we hear a lot about email marketing and also Instagram, but we don't really hear anything about PR. Can you talk a little bit about how has PR changed your business? Well, just like what we're doing right now, just being on podcasts in front of my target audience, my ideal audience, you know, I always tell my clients, like when you're thinking about how to grow with PR, you think about who has already built an audience for you that you can just get in front of because building an audience from scratch, building your own email list and Instagram takes forever. But if I can hop on a podcast with someone or be in a magazine or being in a blog or be in the newspaper, we'll think of it like, I mean, newspapers kind of old school, right? So let's use a podcast as an example. Like you've already built an audience and by you interviewing me, I'm getting in front of your audience. And some of your people might be like, oh, that's cool. I like what she's saying. Like, And then what do they do? They're going to go find me on Instagram more than likely, right? And then they're going to say, oh, that's cool. I like what she's doing. I want more. And then I'm marketing something and like get this free guide. And then they get on my email list. And so there's all these various touch points, you know? And so for me, I am fanatic about finding out where people find me. I always ask people, where'd you find me? How'd you hear about me? And often the answer is online. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But like where online, you know, like that would be really helpful. So They've told me, you know, often they see me on Instagram well, online, but sometimes they'll say, you know, I heard you on such and such podcast, or I saw you in this magazine. And if you're in a magazine or, or a podcast, well, those are two different things. Can we talk about each one? Yeah, of course. 
Okay. So like for a magazine, for example, I've been in the magazine Where Women Create. And that's kind of a perfect magazine for me because the title of my last book is Your Creative Workspace. So it's very much targeted. Most of the people who have that magazine are women who have a creative hobby or a business or want to have a business. So I just built a relationship with that magazine. And anytime I'd have something new to share, like if I redo my office or even my porch, if I work my porch, which I'm going to pitch that next, then I would submit these pictures. And, you know, of course you have to invest a little bit, like I hired a photographer and I figured out what I want to do and pitched it so that it would fit their theme in their magazine. And then when people see you in a magazine, or if you have a book, there's kind of like this built-in trust around your expertise, so to speak. So it's like, oh, she must know what she's talking about because she's in this magazine where she's got this book. So therefore they already trust you. So by the time it's time to like hire you, then they're most the way sold. So it's less work on the back end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In a way like they already know you, it's coming in warm. And so they're already familiar with your brand and they're pretty much, you're just waiting for them to be ready to buy basically. Exactly. Exactly. And now with the podcast, what's cool about that is that you're really getting to know that person and their voice and their story And podcast is generally like 30 minutes to an hour. And from what I understand, when I did a teeny bit of research on podcasts is that, you know, most of the time people put their earbuds in and they're going for a run or they're cooking dinner or in their car. Once they hit play, they're really listening for most of the time, which is very, very different than just scrolling on Instagram, boom, 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 and they see for two seconds. Or even a magazine where you're flipping through, the podcast format is more intimate. So it warms them up even more. Yeah, I think so. This podcast also, it's not like a crowd listening type of device. Most of the time you are listening on your own. So it's kind of an intimate relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great format. It's really funny because I know we got thousands of downloads per month now, but I still feel like no one listens to my podcast. (laughs) Well, you should ask people, are you listening to a story? (laughs) I think it's funny because podcasting is such a personal experience but like to be a podcaster it's also a pretty alone experience as well because I'm alone in the room recording so I don't really see my audience per se until they like email me or message me on social media and like hey I love your podcast yeah it's a very singular experience for sure yeah it's very different in that way yeah and I think one of the things that's really interesting about you is that you are multi-passionate But your theme really is helping people finding their sweet spot. So how can we do that if we are multi-passionate? I kind of alluded to this in the beginning a little bit about an umbrella brand. So if you're multi-passionate and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't decide what to focus on. I want to do all these different things. Well, you can do many different things, but you've got to be careful that the things fit together in some kind of way or else you're creating multiple businesses. And when you've created multiple businesses, it's if you want to have them online, that's very complicated and can run you into the ground very quickly, right? Because you've got a brand and you've got a website and you you've got a social media and you've got your email list. And so if you're one person and that's already enough to manage, much less if you have a whole different business, you know, so I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs pretty much on the daily and people who are interested in maybe hiring me. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, I love, I found that you're multi-passionate and I can do all these things. And I'm like, well, what are you interested in? And it's like, well, I want to start a college and I want to start a restaurant and I'm doing people's taxes and I'm writing people's eBooks. And I'm like, 
Okay. When I'm talking about multi-passionate, that's great, but that is not going to work for you. (laughs) You're not going to find success across those four different fields because those aren't the same people. So just to make it simple, the way that I see an umbrella brand, you have just have two things. You need one ideal client and then you need to have one brand message, right? So my brand message is make money doing work you love. Here's the umbrella, right? The home and decor books are getting a little wet over here under this umbrella, like the rain's coming down a little bit on these books because the books, they do have a subtle message around what the sweet spot is and around creating a beautiful life. And then especially my second book, because it's around workspace, does speak to my ideal client around making money, doing work they love. But then it's like how, where they're working actually helps them get into their sweet spot. But under that umbrella brand, that's really my ideal client for the things that fit better than the home decor books. Like I said, they're on the side. My ideal client is a creative, entrepreneurial, stylish woman who loves to travel. She's into personal development. She is into home decor. She appreciates my book. She likes my books, right? And she's motivated and she has confidence and she's like, oh, I know I can do more to fulfill my full potential. I just, uh, I'm not sure how, and I have all these ideas and I just need someone to rein it in, to listen to me, to reflect and be like, oh, I see you're doing this. Like, okay, focus on these areas. So then to reel it back to the umbrella brand under mine, I have one-to-one coaching and that's that ideal client and that fits that brand message, right? And then I have retreats, same brand message, same clients but it's a different product, right? It's just different service. And then I have the books, they're over here. And then what else do I do? Occasionally I'll work with brands and that kind of floats back to the home decor stuff where somebody might be like, hey, I have these luxury bamboo sheets (laughs) and could you do a post? So I dabble in that as well. But I didn't really do that until I kind of built my umbrella brand really strongly of who my ideal client is what the message is. And I built the first stream of income. Well, I kind of did the book at the same time, right? I did the books and then that evolved into the business. So does that answer the question? Yeah, no, I think that's very clever actually, because it's really important that the message of who you are as a business is very clear. Because I think that I will say a lot, like, for example, I remember we did this staging and then when the real estate agent handed me her card, so on the front, it's her real estate agent card. But mm-hmm. on the back, it's her makeup artist card. And it's like a bride of, you know, someone she'd done makeup for. But it was like this huge 80s makeup with like huge hair, huge wedding dress. And it's like, you know, like how 80s makeup are, you know, it's very like neon color. And immediately I was like, I don't know if I can take you seriously as a real estate agent. You know, I didn't say anything, obviously, because I wanted the business at the time. That was for me, I think, as a vendor, that was kind of a red flag for me. Because I think the two businesses are too different. If it's a real estate agent and she also does inspection, okay, that's fine, right? Because that's related always in real estate. Or yes. maybe she's a real estate agent, but also a photographer. That still makes sense. Yes. But someone who's a wedding makeup artist specialized in 80s makeup and mm-hmm. real estate agent, that's just really mm-hmm. too far apart. No. And then what happens is that breaks your trust because you're like, well, who are you exactly? You know, like, I don't understand. Like, are you an expert in this? or Are you an expert in that? You know, so like on the flip side, if she was specializing in 80s makeup for brides or whatever, then on the back, maybe like you said, maybe it's related to that. So it'd be like, 
And also I do their hair or also I do photography or also I do booking events or whatever for this type of wedding or, but those two, like you said, it just breaks the trust. Yeah, there's actually a lot. There's a real estate agent team here in our area. They're like the top producing team here. And then one of their team members, it's like a family business. So the son, who's actually a doctor, and he does open house on the weekend. And my cousin is like, can you imagine you walk into the open house and you saw your doctor as a real estate agent? Immediately, you're like, I don't trust you to sell my house or I trust you to like heal my body. You know what I'm saying? It's like, pick up. Yes, exactly. I have a funny story about that. Like I had this horrible accident where I was in the middle country road and I fell and I broke my femur and I'm laying there and it's getting dark. I'm in this horrible pain and they call the EMT and the guy who comes up to be the first responder, I recognize him and I'm like, you're my car mechanic. <laughs> like, oh my God. And it was just this immediate terror of like, where's the ambulance? Like, where's the real person who's supposed to help me? You know, and of course he was trained in that, but your mind can't distinguish that, you know? So what comes to mind is just run. It's just like, no, no. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why the brand messaging has to be so clear because I think for you, you're very consistent. It's all about the sweet spot. Right. Yeah. And then it shows up in your book as well, because it says so on the book cover, you know, you mentioned yeah. it. So yeah. there is that tie in to your umbrella brand. Yeah, exactly. Since you've been doing a lot of coaching with small business owners, specifically for creative women, what are some of the common blocks that you see they get into that stop them from growing their business? Well, sometimes they're resistant to building an email list. And so I have to kind of explain why that's important and why they need to spend time doing that. Because a creative, let's say like an interior designer or an artist, they want to be doing that. They want to be doing the work that's fun and that lights them up. And so it's like really getting them to think about those business tools and one being email list building, which I think it's just more fun also to play on social media and you're scrolling and you think you're doing work when you're totally not, right? (laughs) So that's one thing. And then I think another thing is people get very, very hung up on the way things look first before they even really know what they're selling. So it's like, I want a website and a business card and what font should I use? And, but they haven't really validated their offer yet. So they spend too much time and energy on trying to look professional rather than spending time and energy on like earning the money first. And I think that that's a really, really big mistake and that they spend way too much time and energy on this appearance first. And I'm into the appearance, you know, like if you look at my Instagram, you look at my books, you look at my website, I spend time on branding and packaging and making things look good, but you have to know that it's going to work to make you money or it doesn't matter. And then you have to start all over again. Let's say that someone creates this business and they do spend all this time and energy on this packaging and then they launch and nobody hires them. Are they going to go back and redo all that? They're probably just going to be so deflated that they're going to give up on their dream rather than pivoting and being like, well, maybe they just wanted this product that was just like, right. It was just this, this tiny little thing I needed to change in my brand messaging or in my packaging, but they would never know that because they spent all this time making everything look pretty. And I think it's a confidence problem. You know, it's like, oh, if everything looks good, then they'll think I'm a professional and they'll give me the money. What they really, really, really want is a result from you. And if you can give people results, you can give them that without anything 
you don't have to have all this stuff to get them a result first. You just need a couple. You just need a couple. And then you can spend the time building all that other stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually talked about that, I think, two podcasts back. I call this shiny object syndrome. Because I think that's very common in the beginning of business. You're like, oh, I need a logo. I need a website. So I need to hire someone to do it. And usually when you hire someone to do it, that's thousands of dollars out of the door, right? They're developing a brand identity for you. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, there's nothing yet because you haven't done any real concrete jobs. So your brand designer is not going to be able to exactly pinpoint what your brand personality is going to be because they don't know what type of work you're doing. They don't know the look and feel of the homes you're staging. They don't know what exactly is your strength in the business either. You yourself don't even know that because you haven't even really done a lot of work yet. So yeah, so like you said, they're going to get super deflated when they get this brand identity that doesn't feel like 100% that's them yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And your business has also grown a lot since we last chatted. I think a few couple, three or four years ago. So what do you attribute to the success of your business right now? I think it's just being consistent and persistent. You know, it's just collaborating with other people and just continuing to grow in all the different places. And then I think that it just helps that I pick the right thing, you know, that I pick something that I like so that I don't get burned out. And I'm pretty careful about, I'm not a workaholic at all. I don't know, maybe I am in some ways, but I feel like I create a lot of time freedom. And since I have a lot of time freedom, I need that so much. Then that allows me to kind of take breaks. You know what I mean? And I've built it in a way that it is a personal brand. It is a lifestyle brand. So I've picked a business that allows me to do the things that I love. So sometimes it doesn't feel as daunting. For example, I just went on a little mini retreat with a group of friends and I'm just taking pictures. And then I come home today and I just throw together a little reel. And so that would be marketing, right? That would be things you would like take pictures and add a reel. But all of this stuff is so fun for me. I enjoy it that it goes by quickly. And I think that that builds momentum and energy and then it attracts the right people. Yeah. And I think that also echoes back to your brand, right? Your sweet spot is about helping people finding what they do love to do and then help them make money out of it. Yeah, exactly. And I also want to talk about your book because it just got picked up by Target, which I think is very exciting. It's also very hard to do. So it's no small feat. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think it's important to talk about having the book because I think it's actually a really interesting device in terms of building publicity, but also building credibility as well. And it's something I feel like a lot of home design professionals, like stagers, for example, don't really think about as something that we can do. So I want to kind of demystify the process a little bit. So what was the original process like for you in terms of writing your book and putting the whole thing together? Well, for the last one, I was thinking, you know, how can I bring this brand together? And I was sitting with my publisher and she just came up with the idea. The second one, she's like, why don't you do workspaces? Like that would be perfect because you're helping people with their careers and their businesses and everything. And this was, I guess, three or four years ago when I wrote the book. 
And then I just reached out to people that I follow, people that I like, and we did some research and just found some other spaces beyond my own. So my office is in in the book, but then we kind of scoured and found other people that we would like to be in the book and we invited them to contribute to the book. So that way it could be global and we could have people all over the world. The other way to do it is if I had a photographer and I went to just different places and I put all the pictures in from one photographer, I chose to kind of ask people if they'd like to contribute. And so they would have their own photographers or maybe they even already had their images and then they would send those to me and we put it all together. And then what happened was it did fine. It did pretty well. It was, you know, I have a publisher, so it was in all the bookstores like Barnes and Noble and Amazon and all those different places and local bookstores. They ran a few thousand copies, but then COVID hit in 2020. And what happened was, you know, as we know, everybody's working from home and people are like, oh my gosh, everybody's spending so much money, as you know, on their home, they're investing in their home. They're working from home. Their kids are working from home. And they're like, how do we do this? How do we create a space? How do we have division? How do we make it pretty? How do we organize? And so the book sold out early in 2020 and the publishers were like, oh, we need to reprint this. How about we do it in paperback this time? And I was like, okay, that's fine. And they said, well, since we're reprinting it in paperback, do you want to have a new cover? And so that's one of those business decisions, right? So the lazy side of me is like, okay, let's just flip through the book and like, let's find a pretty picture that's already in the book and just switch out the cover. But as I was going through, I was like, you know, I, I think we should just create a new cover. So again, like I hired a photographer, I did hire a prop stylist and we all came together In the middle of COVID, this was February, 2020. Was it 2020? 2021, 2021, yes. And I guess it was this year in February, we did this photo shoot. And just so you kind of have a grasp of like the timeline around publishing, we did that photo shoot in February. And then the book wasn't re-released until August. But in the meantime, it goes in a catalog. So all the new titles and the covers, I guess the covers also go in this catalog. And then big stores and little stores and bookstores look through this catalog. I don't know if they even call it a catalog, but something like a catalog, right? And then they pick their titles. And so because the title is your creative workspace, Target was like, hmm. I like that title and I like that cover. And so they ordered 10,000 copies, which is enough to get, you know, three to five copies in pretty much every Target store. So that was really awesome because that was like kind of passive income, you know, because that's something that I did a few years ago and it just got a little redo and now it's in all these stores and once it's in all these stores and then it's like people see it and it almost feels like you've written another book because you can then talk about it like we're talking about it now and so that's one thing that I encourage people to think about is like what can you do in your business that you can repurpose or that you can somehow scale and you put in the work once but that work keeps on working for you and I feel like this is a really good example of that. Yeah, especially I think with service-based professionals, people are essentially trading money for time, right? We're trading time for money. And so it's really difficult to scale in that sense unless you hire more people. But hire more people usually it gets more headache because you have to now manage people. If it goes well, like everyone is amazing on your team, that's great. But also your expense will go up because you have to pay payroll taxes, for example. Yeah 
have to do workers' comp and all these kind of complicated things as well. So I think having some sort of product where you can actually scale is also a very smart idea. We've seen more and more stages doing that as well. There are stages who are working on apps, for example. They're working mm. on self-publishing as well. There's definitely more options now, I think, for stagers today. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Like, do your people, some of the stagers in your area, do they also sell the things that they're staging with the house? Yeah, I mean, they definitely can. We actually seen that in the startup model as well. Like this company called Guest House, they're in the San Diego and also Colorado market. And essentially what they do, you can go on their Instagram as well. They have an Instagram that is basically essentially like a sales page. You know, they use their stage interiors to sell artwork, sofas, home accessories, and all this stuff. It doesn't have to be at the startup scale. You can do that as a boutique home staging business. We've seen that as well. For example, the stager who were speaking at our conference this year at StagerCon, they just came out with a retail arm of their business. You know, as stager, you order wholesale. It's not that great of a leap to sell it somewhere, either online or actually in person at a store. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely doable. I think Mm -hmm. once you're at a certain point of your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something to think about. It's like, how can you maximize your time and energy? So if you're already out there, you know, scouting out things for your staging business, then do you have the capacity to just also sell that stuff and make a little off the top? Yeah, exactly. And also photography too. You know, you have clients who are artists, you know, like you can license your artwork out. Same with photographer. I can license my own photography out, even though they might be vacation photos, but if they're well edited, they can Mm -hmm. fit into a stage home or like just for living, for example. You can sell prints, you can, you know, do a wide variety of things. There's a lot of way to actually create passive income Mm -hmm. within the service-based business, but I think it's really under-tabbed. I think COVID is a perfect example. It's like we need to think about future-proving our home staging business, our service-based business. It's something that we work on as a school actively to build into our bigger courses to really think about what are some of the ways for you to really cultivate your strengths and then how do we turn that into potential passive income for our business so that even though we might slow down or maybe there's unfortunately another lockdown in our city, we have some sort of passive income to rely on. That's so important. Yeah, because otherwise your business can just peter right out, right? Yeah, especially I think when COVID hit, a lot of stagers really did not know what to do. Because all of a sudden, if you're listed as non-essential in your state, you literally cannot leave your house to go staging, right? That's a very sad reality, but that was true. But stagers that are flexible or open-minded, they immediately were able to pivot. You know, sure, we can't stage in person. What if we just do curbside drop-off and leave very detailed instructions for our clients, get on Zoom, Mm -hmm. direct them Mm -hmm. to stage the house themselves Mm -hmm. using our inventory. So we still make Mm -hmm. money on a rental and Mm -hmm. we make money on the consultation aspect of it. And then the homeowners still get their house staged. That's awesome. Yeah, so smart. You have to be able to think about those things and quickly. And I think especially today, and also I think most businesses are very sole proprietor or very small team, where mm-hmm. even though there might be an LLC, it's still very like one person or two person team. Yeah. Or the core team is very small, like how me and my sister ran our business. I think we need to figure out how can we leverage 
stuff like technology, like how can we automate things to really maximize our time? So I'm not spending hours just on like putting invoices out, you know, technology today, you can just one click and then boom, the invoice is generated and sent to the client automatically without me having to sit at my desk and then like fiddle around for 20 minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. These tools are so important and there's, there's just so many coming out. Like it's hard to keep up, right? It is. It is hard to keep up, but I think it's also fun. I'm just kind of nerdy and geeky that way. I'm always testing new technology. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I lean to people like you. I'm like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's why I love my business pals. You know, you get them. I know I'm sure you do this. You just hang out with your business friends and they'll just be like, have you seen this? And have you done this? And oh my gosh, you're still doing this. Like try this other thing. And we just learn from each other, you know? I think today the sales pattern is very different than when we first started our businesses. You know, it's no longer kind of the passive experience. Like I think today's consumer really want the experience. You know, they want to feel curated. They want to feel special. They want to feel like they're heard and seen. Like mm-hmm. their social values are very important. They're really into yeah. community building. You know, we as businesses have to change as well. Like we have to adapt to the new marketplace. I think that's really important. That's something we really push as well. I think, especially in real estate, if you look at the trends of the newer kind of brokerages are coming out as well. Sorry, I'm getting a bit nerdy here. Yeah, go for it. I love it. I'm learning here too. It's all about experience. It's about leveraging technology. It's about different business model, like something that's breaking against that traditional real estate model. And that's what we're seeing the younger generation, the millennials responding to. So we have to adapt too, even though we might still run very fairly traditional service-based business, but there are Mm -hmm. things that we can do to definitely update that experience. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah. So one of the things I think that clients really responded today, I think with COVID is that people are really open to online interaction instead of Mm in-person. So a lot of things that we used to value, for example, face-to-face meeting, client, especially having that work from home experience, if it can be an email, why can it be? You know, they also want a kind of quiet experience. They don't want to be hovered over in terms of finding the right professional to work for them. So I think it's really important to improve your website. For example, it needs to be very user-friendly. It needs to be very clear in terms of who you are as a stager. I think nowadays the consumer is really interested in point of view. I mean, we see that in politics too, right? Mm -hmm. Despite what we think about Donald Trump, you know his value proposition exactly what it is. Like it's very well laid out. You know, it's very clear. (laughs) You know what you get. You know what you're getting. And I think that's really important for today's consumer. Like they really need to know, especially with service, it's so abstract. You don't know what exactly you're buying into. It's not like a product. I buy a cup. I know exactly what that cup is going to look like, how big it's going to be. Is a dishwasher safe? You know, all those kind of things. But with services, I can't tell. What if they have a bad day and they didn't deliver? then I'm kind of out of luck, right? As a consumer, we have that type of fear when we're hiring. And it's the same way with our consumer when they're working with us. So we really have to think 
like our customers in terms of what is the experience they're getting when they're coming onto our website, when they're getting in touch with our brand. And so I think all those touch points like we talked about earlier, like even just an email, for example, or something simple like your business card, it can really offset all these kind of reactions the consumer might potentially have. That's so true. Yeah. But going back to the book, <laughs> we got so sidetracked. <laughs> but going back to your book, though, so you've been working with a publisher. So what was that experience like? Did you find them or they found you? Well, you know, I just believe in intention and synchronicity. So just to even back up before that, I never said, oh, my goodness, my goal in life is to write a book. My goal in life was to have financial freedom, time freedom, work from home or work from anywhere and be surrounded by beauty. So I wrote a lifestyle intention. I started with writing a lifestyle intention. And then I said to myself, in any which way, like any kind of quote unquote job that I get, if it does these things, then I know that I will be happy. So I kind of started with how do I want to feel? What does my lifestyle look like? And then I literally just threw myself out there to everything in the beginning. I started a local TV show. I took a blogging class with Holly Becker back in the day and I wrote 250 blog posts. I was not DJing, but I was kind of like hosting events in my town and like red carpet events in a town of 13,000 in Vermont. Like I was just like doing it all. And through me just basically throwing myself out there and being like, what what's to come back? The first time I did this local TV show, I interviewed an author who I didn't know and we kind of clicked. And at the end, she was like, oh, I love this concept of your show. It was like the sweet spot, right? She said, you know, I want to connect you with an agent and this agent can like pitch your show. This should be national, right? So I meet this agent and the agent starts to pitch the show, but there's not a lot of traction. And turns out she has a really, what she has more experience in is book publishing. She's like, why don't we pitch a book? And I was like, okay, sure. You know, I write a proposal and she's my book agent now. I say it fell into my lap. And a lot of times it appears that things fall into my lap very easily. But the truth is that it didn't necessarily fall into my lap. I had to struggle by starting a TV show and doing a blog and doing all this stuff that was super uncomfortable for me. And then it just so happened that I meet the right person and she introduces me to the other person. And then the agent pitches the book. And then all of a sudden I have a book deal. I love that. I want to encourage people, of course, to write a book, but even more so, I want to encourage people to say, what do I want to feel in my daily routine as in my work? What do I want my life to look like? And then start taking action and see what evolves. So to me, it could have been writing a book. It could have been writing for a big media outlet. It could have been having a TV show. It could have been any number of things. And it just so happened that it was the book. And then it was just so happened that the book actually did launch my career. It was pretty pivotal, but I wouldn't have known that at the time. I think that's a really great story. And what really attribute to your success, like you said earlier, you were consistent, you consistently work at it. And then so you have all these really great foundation for you to build on one after the other. And so when the opportunity comes, you're like, I have all this stuff. And then they're like, oh, perfect. That's exactly what we needed. So yeah, so I think it's really about being prepared for it. 
Well, and here's the thing is that a book publisher wants to know that you have an audience. So if you are thinking about writing a book, then you've got to prove to them that you can sell this book. So the first thing they're going to ask you is, how many people are following you on social media and how big is your email list? They do ask these things, but don't let that completely stop you. I mean, yes, start to build those things, but you can also think about who's in my network. At the time, I didn't even have an Instagram account nor an email list, but what I could say is I do have a local TV show and it reaches this many people, right? And I could say, you can refer back to these 250 blog posts that I wrote this year which, you know, I didn't get a paid a dime for. It was kind of like an internship in the book, but I had no idea that I was going to write the book. And then they could be like, oh my gosh, this girl is prolific. Like she can probably write a book because there's like enough pages in this blog to, to be a book, you know? So sometimes you're doing these things and you're like, what is the point? <laughs> is this a waste of time, you know? But you kind of have to listen to your intuition. And if it's fun and you think that you're on the right path, then you just got to go for it. And then something will come along and it'll show you that that is the right path. And then you kind of evolve that way, right? Yeah, no, I think so. It's kind of like a savings account in a way, right? You're accumulating interest on things and it's a bit like compound interest. So it just kind of rolls bigger and bigger, a little bit like a snowball. But you have nothing in the beginning to become a small snowball, it's not going to become a big snowball later on. That's right. You've got to put in the time and the effort to like gather that cold snow and your hands are like icy and you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. And I don't know if I like this, but then once you have the little ball of this analogy, then once you have the little ball, it kind of like builds on itself and you just toss it down the hill and it just rolls and rolls and gets bigger. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see that that paid off. I'm so glad that I made that first little snowball. <laughs> Exactly. So if it were home stager that's starting out in their business, what are some of the advice you may have for them in helping them grow their businesses? Well, I think like what we alluded to earlier in this conversation, you know, you and I it's sort of like, first, you need to be clear on what you're building, right? And, you know, so don't be afraid to showcase who you are in your own personal style, because I feel like that's really important in a, in a home stager, right? And know and understand that you're only going to be doing that fun stuff of the home staging business. You said, what, about 20% of the time normally and like 80% of the time you're doing other stuff, like you're doing marketing and you're actually getting the clients and, and that kind of thing, like you're doing these businessy things. So don't be disillusioned to think that you're only doing the home staging. You're also got to build the business and maintain the business and send the invoices and all that kind of stuff. But as you grow and as you get bigger, you know, maybe that number shifts as you make more money than maybe you learn more about automation. And so you spend that 80% becomes 75% or 70%. And then maybe you hire your first virtual assistant. They can set up some systems for you or an assistant to come in and do some of the staging for you and, and that kind of thing to narrow that gap. So I guess that would be one of the tips for new home stagers. Well, two tips really, right? Like make sure that you're building a business that you're going to enjoy and then make sure that you understand that you also have to be a good business person and learn about these business tools and be prepared to spend time in that. Don't be shocked. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. I, I think that's the shocking thing for most creative professionals is that they didn't realize how much business stuff they have to do until they got into the business. And like I said, before we started the show, it really feels 80-20, like 80% of the time you are building that business as a business owner and 20% of the time is really only doing the creative stuff. But my goal for my business, for example, is how do I do less of the 80 and then do more of the 20? So eventually it's 730 and 70-30 or 60-40. So mm-hmm. there, there are ways to find more time to kind of build towards your goal as well. And I think you've done that in your business too, because I know, for example, you carve out time to do your retreats and then also to live abroad. Do you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Because I'm really interested in that lifestyle also, especially I think nowadays with work from home. I guess not so much for home stagers because we're tied to our warehouse, really. (laughs) But it's something really to aspire to as well. I think a lot of my friends who are in the service-based business are all like, how can I live like the French where I can like take 30 days off a year to just vacation? Yes, lovely. Well, I think it's really important to think about your values when you're looking at your business model and create a business model that fits those values or that lifestyle intention that I mentioned before. So in my lifestyle intention, when I first started, I I included travel because travel is very, very important to me. It always has been. That's where we met, you know, traveling in Italy. And no, we did. We did. Yeah, that's what we did. At first, I was like, yeah. that's where you met. And then I was like, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's been so long. It feels like yesterday. That was a weird thing. The retreat we did with Laura Bell Gray on copywriting or it the one with Justina. Justina. Oh, with Justina. Justina. Yeah. Justina from Jungalo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that it's like, if travel is important to you, then you figure out how to get into your life. And so the way that I figured out how to get into my life when I didn't have very much income coming in when I first started my business was I just went to a place that I really wanted to go, which happened to be San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. And while I was there, I did a little workshop. So I just basically kind of like looked around and I said, where's a place that does workshops? There was this yoga meditation center. I rented a room. I like literally handed out flyers and just asked people to come to my little workshop. (laughs) And I think I had, you know, five people and I let two or three of them just come for free because I didn't know a single person in this town. Right. And I ran that workshop. And one of the people that came to that workshop happened to be a friend of a friend. And, you know, I was like, I just want to come back here. I just, I don't know how I can afford basically to just come back here and spend time and she was like well why don't you bring groups and do travel programs and turns out that's what she was doing so she basically built my first itinerary for me and she already had the hotel and she had all the contacts and everything she built up the whole thing and she was like, just give it a shot. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, I just don't even know. I, I barely could get five people and two came for free to this workshop. It was like $70. How am I going to convince people to come to Mexico and spend several thousand with me? And she was like, so cool about it. She was like, give it a shot because she already had this hotel and it was like, it's halfway full from another group program and the other half was empty. So she, there was really no risk involved. Like you've got to be careful, right? Like you can't just be like, oh my gosh, we're just going to throw this retreat together. I mean, you know, I, I was like, what's going to happen if these people don't sign up? Like, do I have to pay for this hotel? And luckily it just worked out where it was a wash. So 
I was able to do my first retreat. And so that's how I decided to, to travel and be able to pay for my travel was by bringing other people and sharing my experience. And then it turns out I really liked that. So I just did that every year. And that was how I could get out of Vermont in the winter and go to Mexico, even when I had a small child at home and be like, guys, I have to go. It's work, you know? <laughs> Mom has to go to work in Mexico. Bye. No, I love that. Retreat is also on my vision board because I really want to host retreats as well and then have excuse yeah. to travel. I just find it, yes. it's also a really kind of relaxed setting because you're away from your business, even though you're still thinking about it. But I think being in a new place and being with a like-minded group of people who have a similar intention as you is really going to be beneficial. You're resetting your mind. You're relaxing. You guys are enjoying good food and wine usually and you're taking day trip usually you know retreats are like going to the beach or going to you know a nice museum and go to a nice restaurant afterwards and so in a way you're resetting your mind and your body and then you get a fresher perspective on your business that's right and i also to my retreats i have this element of upgrading your lifestyle so you know, I always try to find the most gorgeous places and the most magical places and like the most beautiful gardens and restaurants and homes to bring people in so that I want them to feel like when they walk in the door, they're like, wow, oh my goodness. And so by feeling that, again, back to that feeling of feeling like you live in this gorgeous place that you are then just attracting more of that back to you. So when I was renting this, I would call it the Mexican mansion. It was had a jacuzzi and a swimming pool and a gardener and a, and a cook. And it was just a very beautiful place. And I would just lay in that jacuzzi at night and look at the stars and just kind of pretend like, this is my life. I live here and I'll be at a certain place in my life and business where I'll have this, you know? And again, it's not necessarily that exact house, but it's like the feeling I was getting. I'm like, yes, I love this feeling. I want more of this feeling. So just bringing more of that in by experiencing it, by just being there, you know, and then everything else is gravy, you know, workshops and going to eat and meeting with other people. But to me, it is like just being in another place, opening your mind, leaving wherever you're at, the location, just switching locations and being in a beautiful place with the right kind of people who appreciate that and who can inspire you as well. It's very energizing. I think so as well. I always love retreats. Like I'm obsessed with them. I went to a lot of them before COVID, unfortunately, yeah. now that's uh, come to a halt. I think especially for us who work in the creative professions, you need to be re-inspired constantly. Otherwise you get burned out. Like your brain gets burned out and then your staging will go flat. You're just lack of creativity at one point. And then everything you do, your staging becomes cookie cutter in a way. Because you're just like oh yeah, for this layout, we'll just put the couch over there and then two chairs here. Like you have a formula, right? There's no like new energy going back into your work. And so I do think it's important to take time away sometimes from your home base and just get re-inspired. Well, and especially with decor, you know, so like I haven't really told, um, talked about this anywhere, but, you know, I've mentioned that I'm working on a retreat from Morocco, but one of the ideas that I have is because there's the Medina, we're saying right in the Medina, right? So there's just 
rugs and pottery and all this stuff and lights and oh, just everything that you love, you know? And so we're going to stay in the Medina and be able to just check that out constantly. But then I'm thinking about doing, and I'd love your opinion, like doing an add-on to the trip just for people who want to do kind of big time shopping. So maybe they're a homestager, maybe they have a little boutique brick and mortar store or something like that. Or even just for me that I don't have any of that, but I could fill a container just for my house <laughs> or yeah. an Airbnb, you know? So I'm thinking about doing this little add-on for people like that so that we could have this guide who will take us and show us like a sourcing trip basically. And guide us and help us get containers and ship them back to the States, but, you know, find all this beautiful, cool stuff. So. No. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I've thought about doing that as well, actually. You know, I live in London for like a minute and then, you know, it's really cheap to go to Morocco from London or from Paris as well, which I had the opportunity to live in. And I definitely thought about it because a lot of actually high-end designers in London, they will fly down to Morocco to source stuff. For yeah, sure. because it's in, it's just so much less expensive, you know, like you can find the deals and you can find these people who are like just making it right there. You know, you get to meet them and see them and you just get so much more choice. You should look at Ace Camp. Do you know them? They're out of Vancouver. Yeah. They've done Morocco trip, I think every year now. And they definitely do the whole rug shopping kind of whole thing. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'll check them out too. Yeah, they're a good company. I really like their product. I really like their trips. I can never afford it. I can't really just like spend seven grand on a trip for a whole week, even though I want to. Yeah. But it's a bit tougher. But yeah, I think a lot of interior designers and stagers will love it. I think more so interior designers because they have mm-hmm. actual clients who put that in. For stagers, it's a little bit trickier to justify having that expense for a client unless it's a luxury home where it's more specialized stuff but for sure awesome yeah well I'm excited about it (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for you that sounds like an amazing trip yeah thanks so that's actually our time for the show today thank you so much for coming on the show so before we leave do you have your final tip for our homesagers listener when it comes to finding their sweet spot in life and in work I say just, you know, be really clear about what's going to make you happy and then take action, be persistent, be consistent and go with your heart and go with your intuition. You won't be led astray. Love that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's great to catch up with you. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.